of Christ be with you and also with you let's turn and greet one another good morning we welcome you to Laguna Presbyterian Church especially if you're visiting with us today we are delighted that you are here and we would love all of you to sign our friendship pad it's on each one of the pews near the center aisle it's a black folder we'd love it if you'd fill it out and pass it down whether you are visiting or whether you're regularly here it is our men's retreat weekend so if you're wondering why we have um, kind of some people that say they're going to be here missing, that's the reason. Um, so Steve Sweet, our other associate, is leading up the men's retreat, and Gareth Eisnogel, our interim pastor, is not well again today. So he is home. So I appreciate the help of Gary Mills in this service today. Uh, you can see the announcements about what's going on. There is a Red Cross blood drive going on all morning and into the afternoon a bit over in Tank Hall. We do have a number of openings, so if you are able to give blood after this service, they would love to schedule you in to do that. Uh, and it, there are several times throughout the rest of the day. Uh, you can also see that next Sunday is our confirmation Sunday. So in the second service, our confirmation students will be coming up and talking a little bit about their faith, and it will be a wonderful day to bless them. If you, uh, you might want to be here for that part of second service in order to do that. Also, we are participating in the Shoreline Art Exhibit at the Laguna Beach Art Museum on November 3rd. That's a Saturday. I've reserved 30 spots for us to be part of that, and there are about five spots left. Out on the patio, you can sign up for that, or if there's not a spot there, you can go on their website to do it. It's an exhibition on the beach with lighted umbrellas, and it's a, they expect a 1,000 people to be there holding one of these umbrellas, and I think it would just be a great way to mix in the community and get to know people that you might not usually get to know and to be able to support something that's going on in our community. We have a congregational meeting two weeks from today, November 4th, at right at the beginning of the 10 o'clock service to elect our new officers for the next term. And also our grief at the holiday class begins two weeks from tomorrow. It is actually a one-day class from 4 to 5.30 if you have lost someone that you love this year, often it's difficult to go through the holidays without them. And so this is a class that talks about practical ways that you might want to adapt your holiday celebration because of that. It has proven to be very helpful to a lot of people, and you're very welcome to come and to bring friends from the community. You do not need to sign up to be part of that grief um, support group. The flowers this morning are celebrating an anniversary. Nancy and Howard Pink, 60 years. Congratulations. There they are. That's wonderful. Let's turn our hearts to the Lord. Let's pray. Oh God, you are the God of all truth. And we would know more of you, of your goodness, of your mercy, of your large purposes and your long-term dreams. In your presence, we become aware of how little we know of ourselves, of our own fears and dreads, of our own wonderments and gifts. In your truthfulness, let us know more of you 
and in knowing you ourselves as well. We pray in the name of Jesus where you sit, we see you fully and ourselves more clearly. Amen. The psalmist calls us to worship this morning. Bless the Lord, O my soul. O Lord, my God, you are very great. You are clothed with honor and majesty, wrapped in light as a garment. You stretch out the heavens like a tent. You set the beams of your chambers on the waters. You make the clouds your chariot. You ride on the wings of the wind. You make the winds your messengers, fire and flame your ministers. You set, set the, the earth, earth on, on its foundations, foundations so that it shall never be shaken. You cover it with the deep as with a garment. The waters stood above the mountains. O Lord, how manifold are your works. In wisdom you have made them all. The earth is full of your creatures. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Praise to the Lord, the Almighty, the King of creation. O my soul, praise Him, for He is my help and salvation. All ye who now to See 
Psalmist declares, I love the Lord because he has heard my voice and my supplications. Because he inclined his ear to me, therefore I will call on him as long as I live. We offer our honest confession in faith and trust in our covenant God, knowing that God does hear our voice. Let us pray. Generous God, you are the giver of all good things. We are takers who take from you day by day, daily bread, taking all we need as you supply, taking in gratitude and wonder and joy, and then taking more, taking more than we need, taking from our sisters and brothers, taking power, 
taking first place, taking the best for ourselves, taking because we are frightened and because we want more. Forgive our anxious grasping, change our ways into your ways as we bring to you the silent confessions of our hearts. For we pray through Christ our Redeemer. Amen. My friends, hear the word of the Lord from Psalm 118. Let those who fear the Lord say, His steadfast love endures forever. Out of my distress I called on the Lord. The Lord answered me and set me free. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. In Christ, God answers us and sets us free. In Christ, we are forgiven. Thanks be to
servants are listening. The scripture reading this morning is from Mark 10, beginning with verse 32, as we continue to look at the hard sayings of Jesus. They were on the road going up to Jerusalem, and Jesus was walking ahead of them. They were amazed, and those who followed were afraid. He took the twelve aside and began to tell them what was to happen, saying, See, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be handed over to the chief priests and the scribes, and they will condemn him to death. Then they will hand him over to the Gentiles. They will mock him and spit upon him and flog him and kill him. And after three days, he will rise again. James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came forward to him and said to him, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. He said to them, What is it that you want me to do for you? And they said to him, Grant us to sit, one at your right hand and one at your left hand in your glory. But Jesus said to them, You do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink or be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? They replied, we're able. Then Jesus said to them, the cup that I drink, you will drink. And with the baptism with which I am baptized, you will be baptized. But to sit at my right hand or at my left is not mine to grant for it is for those for whom it has been prepared. When the ten heard this, they began to be angry with James and John. So Jesus called them and said to them, You know that among the Gentiles, those that whom they recognize as their rulers lord it over them, and their great ones are tyrants over them. But it is not so among you, for whoever wishes to become great among you must become your servant. And whoever wishes to be first among you must be slave of all. For the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We returned a couple of weeks ago from our, summer, our fall vacation. We were visiting with some of you uh, in the East Coast. We had a great time. And then there was the plane ride home. What is it about airplanes that brings out the power struggle in us? Does it have anything to do with the fact that three strangers are squeezed into the space of about two adults and they have to sit there without moving for hours and hours? 
What could go wrong in that situation? A staff lunch this week, I was telling the story of my flight and of the uh, obnoxious person that I sat next to, and everybody had an airplane story about an airplane bully and the way he had grabbed power in the way that the seating was. Dave and I have figured out that the best way to ride on the airplane is that we both sit on aisle seats and we sit across the aisle from one another. We had reserved an exit row so there would be plenty of space, wouldn't there? When we got to our seats, the stranger next to whom I was going to spend the next five hours had already claimed not only his space, not only the foot space in front of me, but also the knee space in front of me. He had managed to cross his leg. I can't do it. He, how do men do that? He had managed to cross his leg so that his foot was here, where my knees belonged. If he thought that he was going to bully this little old lady, he had picked the wrong woman. Game on. I wish I could tell you that I had really good peacemaking words to kindly request that he remove his foot from above my knees. But I don't. Actually, the only words I could think of were so snarky that if I had said them in a closed space, it might have been physically dangerous for the rest of the flight. <laughs> Besides, I'm way too passive aggressive for that sort of thing. What I did discover is shortly after takeoff that if I lowered my tray table, <laughs> there was no room at all for his foot. So for five hours, my tray table stayed right down there. It reminded me a little bit about growing up with siblings. Do you have any siblings? Do you remember the back seat of your parents' car? The invisible lines that you drew? She's on my side! She's got his foot! We just never get over the power struggles, do we? How long will we continue to live with them? I felt again like I was back in that back seat with my parents, jockeying for power. Jesus' disciples were not immune from power struggles. When I first read the scripture today, I thought, no, wait a minute, that's the wrong text. We just did that story. We just saw them arguing over who was the greatest, right? Surely I have the wrong page. No, they did the same argument amongst themselves back in chapter 9, and we heard about it a couple of weeks ago. But they don't seem to be able to give it up, arguing about who's going to be on the top of the heap. Now James and John, who are two of the inner circle, go to Jesus. James and John are known as the sons of thunder. What do you suppose that tells you about those guys? wonder what they'd be like on an airplane. They decide to take it to the next level, and they go to Jesus personally. They take him aside and ask for the favored spots in his kingdom while the rest of the 12 fume because they're not the ones getting to ask for that, and they are getting outranked by the others. The disciples knew what power looked like in the Gentile world, and so that's what Jesus talks to them about. They lived in Rome-occupied Palestine, and it was not a pleasant experience living under the rule of Rome. They experienced every day being treated like dirt by the Roman soldiers, 
who managed to maintain control by tyrannizing and by oppressing them. Power that was used against them and over them, not power that was used for them. So it's tempting for us, and it's tempting for the 12, to use power that way. We see it all around us. Power used against, not power used for. Or power used for myself, not for you. Our church book group is reading the book Mudbound by Hillary Jordan. It takes place in 1940s Mississippi Delta. In the book, there is an extremely disagreeable grandfather. He is demanding, he is demeaning, he uses his words to cut every single person down and put them, not in their place, but way below their place. And he expects everybody else, no matter who they are, to wait on him hand and foot. He uses the power of his words, not only to cut down everybody in the family, but to ruin the lives of the African-American neighbors. And it's made me think about the power of words, particularly the power of words in social media. Two of my friends this week just said they dropped out of Facebook because they just can't stand the way people are cutting one another down continuously, tearing people apart, very often about a political issue, a posting, whether it is true or not, that just absolutely destroys the opponents. Rather than trying to understand what the other side is saying and have any kind of a reasonable discussion, there's name-calling and there is demeaning. But that's not how power works in Jesus' kingdom. Jesus turns that kind of power upside down. The rules in Jesus' power game are not like the rules in ours. Because instead of using power to destroy, Jesus uses power on behalf of other people. We've seen him do it. He used his power to change people's lives, to heal them, to be able to open people's eyes, open people's ears, to be able to deliver people from, de from demons. Jesus used his power to serve. He didn't expect everybody else to serve him. And he's headed for Jerusalem to give his life. He says he's giving it as a ransom, a ransom to set us free from all the things that enslave us, even the self-serving that is such a deep part of us that we live with for so much of our lives. In Jesus' power game, the greatest is the one who bends the lowest, the one who serves other people. Where have you seen people live out this kind of upside-down view of power? Who has used their power to empower you? Was it parents? Did you have a friend that did this for you? Maybe a coworker, maybe a boss who opened doors and opened opportunities that never would have been there for you 
Howard Schultz, who is the leader who transformed Starbucks from a small Seattle company to a worldwide wide enterprise, grew up in federal subsidized housing in Brooklyn. His father was in and out of 30 blue-collar jobs. His family, all the neighbors, scrambled to pay the bills every month. They could barely keep it together. They lived on the very margin of society. And then his dad had an accident and broke his ankle. And that meant no job, no health coverage. And his mom was seven months pregnant, so she couldn't go get a job. They were left with no backup. So Schultz grew up saying, I want someday to head a company that does things differently, to head a company that empowers the, their employees. Starbucks, health insurance, even if you're only part-time, to 191,000 employees worldwide. Because Schultz figured out how to use the power that he had to empower other people, rather than to use it against them. A friend of mine said this week on Facebook that she was empowered recently by a stranger. Near the end of last month, money was tight. Both these stories about, are about money. It doesn't have to be about money, but both these are. She was very close to the end of, uh, of their cash for the, the rest of the month, really not sure how they were going to make it to the next payday. And she got in her car and discovered it was empty. She needed gas. She had a 20. And she didn't know if a 20 would make it. That'd be enough gas to make it to the end of the month. So she pulled into a gas station. And another car was pulling out. She pulled into the pump right behind it. And as she got out with her 20 to pay, there on the pump was a $30 credit. Somebody else, a stranger, who knows why, had decided to secretly empower whoever it was who was going to come along afterwards. And she put $30 in her car, $30 worth of gas in her car. Empowered even by a stranger. Now, this week has been a week when, um, in our MOPS community, we've had some conversation about abuse. So I have got to say that sometimes this scripture has been used against people. It has been interpreted incorrectly to keep people down, to keep people in their place, to say, see, you're supposed to serve. Not we all are supposed to serve, but you are supposed to serve. It has been used to support the abuse of power by other people and toxic relationships. In many cases, that's been done to ethnic minorities and to women, people who are expected to just smile and take it, do the bidding of other people. The demanding old man in Mudbound would interpret Jesus' words that way, wouldn't he? that Jesus is just telling you to take it, no matter what I say to you. 
But Jesus was talking his, to his disciples, and they were men. They were the people in the Jewish society with power. He was talking to people who had power. Who are those people today in our culture? Who are the people with power? Well, there are people with international influence. Did you think of them first? Politicians have power. Heads of big corporations have power. The elders and deacons, the officers of our church, have power. When we install them in January, we will use this scripture to talk about how they should serve. But the truth is, all of us have power. It may not look exactly like the power that we've had at other times of our lives. Changes over the years. My power and my energy has changed over the years. But we all have power. We all have somebody that we could empower by what we say, by the way we listen to them, by the way we treat them. Maybe it's somebody that only you can be the one that helps. My dad lived to be 100. A good part of why he lived to be that old, we think, is because he had wonderful caregivers at home. They empowered him to do what he wanted to do, to stay in his home, to continue to live life as much as his body would let him in the way that he wanted to do that. But you know what? Even when he couldn't walk, even when he really couldn't hear, he still empowered them by the way he treated them. His energy and his abilities were far less than they had been, but he had enough left that he could be grateful to them and that he could be generous to them. He could empower. You can empower somebody, no matter who you are, no matter what your situation. Now, I do need to say that Jesus did talk to women about power, and I know some of you have been waiting for that because you want to hear what Jesus said to the other people, too. The story that I think of is that he talked to sisters Mary and Martha about power. Do you remember what he said? He said that Martha, who was scurrying around trying to get ready for dinner for him, was over-serving, that she had somehow been hooked into that like some of us get hooked into doing some more than we really should, and that what she should do is what nobody would have expected, that she should step back and sit and listen to Jesus like her sister Mary was. Some of you have been hooked into over-serving, and because of it, you're doing things that are taking the place of what somebody else might do an opportunity that somebody else might have to serve if you stepped aside a bit. I fear that uh, those of you who, are, who do overserve are hearing my words today as a call for you to double down and to do more. That is not what Jesus is saying. He's saying the call is for all of us to serve one another, to serve 
all to serve the community. It's not just for a few of us who are the special servers and know how to do it oh so very well. For most of us, over-serving is not the problem. The problem is saying, where is it that Jesus is calling for me to serve? Who is it that Jesus is calling me to empower? We were once known as the church in town that helped the victims of the fire, that empowered people to get their lives back together. The fire was 25 years, years ago this week. And in those 25 years, there are a lot of people around here who were not here for the fire. They don't know that reputation. Some of you didn't know that either, did you? They don't know that we're the great serving church in the fire. What do they know us as now? What's our reputation? It'd be great if they knew us as the church that serves the community. But what's it going to take for that to happen? We pray it won't be another fire, especially with the winds this week. But what's it going to be? I think it starts with each one of us. It starts with each one of us being a serving person, but also with all of us together, perhaps in fresh ways, serving the community and being the people who are known as Jesus' servants and therefore the servants of other people too. Let me suggest an experiment. This week, each day, one thing, one way that you're going to empower somebody, maybe something you've never done before, maybe something creative, maybe something secret that they don't even know who it was who did it? Like the man that put the gas in the gas at the credit in the gas tank for my friend. Who knows what God might do in us and among us and through us? Let's pray. Show us, Lord, where you are inviting us, each and all together, to use our power our voices, our hands as your servants to empower others. Give us the same mind of service that was in Jesus, we pray. Amen. Will you stand with me as we say what we believe about Jesus and his serving, Jesus as a servant from Philippians chapter 2. Let us read together. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility regard others as better than yourselves. Let each of you look not to your own interests, but to the interests of others. Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited but emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, being born in human likeness, and being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Amen. Merciful Savior, my Lord, my friend, holy God, 
great physician, lover of all people, we are astonished by your amazing grace. We are captivated by your power and awed by your mercy. In the heart of our hearts, we long to know you more deeply, to touch even the fringes of your cloak, and to know peace and healing. We strain our ears to hear you call us daughters and sons, like so many before us. We pray for the faith that can make us whole. And we pray for those in need of your healing this day, for the sick, for the injured and hospitalized, for those who Ill, whose illness has isolated them from their community. Give them a spirit of healing and hope for the outcast and for those whom we have cast out through our action or inaction. Shine a light on our prejudices, soften our hardened hearts, and transform us for loving service toward everyone we meet. For those who mourn and weep, let them stand firm in your promises, buoyed by your strength and care. Give them the comfort and assurance that nothing can separate them from your love. Loving God, we pray for healing and hope to reign in this world. When there is conflict, where there is conflict and war, let there be peace. Where there is hunger and poverty, let there be abundance. Where there is distress and despair, let there be light, warm and unquenchable. O Lord our God, accept the fervent prayers of your people. In the multitude of your mercies, look with compassion upon us and all who turn to you for help. For you are gracious, O lover of souls, and to you we give glory. We come before you as Jesus has taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. We bring to the Lord our morning offering.
us today by the strength of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him all creatures here below. Praise Him above ye heavenly hosts. Praise Father, Son, God of all creation, powerful spirit, savior of all, use our gifts to bring hope to a world that is in need of your grace. Amen. Amen. The words are in the bulletin this morning. this week is one thing each day. One way you're going to empower somebody else. And may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with us all. Amen. Amen.